Good morning. We're so glad you're here. Thankful for your presence. We are missing a, a small portion of our number as we are having. We saw Charlie Smith down at Freed Hardman, was of course members here for about a year. And he says with regard to equipped, uh, it would be the same thing for our Journeys Young Adult Retreat. You can't call the first one a first annual. It's just the first. And so there's the first young adults uh, retreat, the journey retreat that is happening at Big Reedy. And we have some of our number down there. And we're thankful that they have this opportunity to be together and hear Joe Wells, a uh, fantastic uh, preacher of the word and certainly be one who will encourage them. Uh, he is also going to be a speaker on Equip. Makes a good segue for what I want to mention to you. You've heard us talk about that a little bit. It's coming in a little bit more than two months. You've probably seen these around the building in the multi-purpose room, especially or at the Welcome Center. Uh, and I, I believe that there are other places where you'll find this QR code. Uh, the QR code, if you have a smartphone, you're probably familiar with that technology. It's that little uh, squiggly square that you'll find. And if you put your phone up to it, it will take you to a website or, a, in this case, a Google form. I mention that for especially members here at Lehman. Um, number one, I hope that you're making your decision to be a part of that, to spend time here with us that weekend. Events like these are those that folks will sometimes fly to in order to go and to participate in. Uh, you really uh, have just a 10, 15 minute drive to come and to hear some of the greatest speakers in our brotherhood to come and challenge us in practical Christianity. So I want to, number one, encourage you to consider making time to be here. It starts Thursday night, it goes through Sunday night, and there are a variety of uh, uh, types of lessons, different audiences that are being reached. Uh, you'll find that information on our website. It's also uh, available through following that QR code. But on it is a registration form. So if you'll take a moment to just do that and let us know that you're here. We have vision groups who are planning and putting in a lot of time to make sure we get some kind of an idea about how many are coming, both near and far. So, And those that you know in the area, encourage them to do the same thing. Uh, so that's what that exists for. I have taken the last one of these. If I remember, I'm going to take it back out there in a multi-purpose room and allow you to do that. You know, there are some sermons that by their very nature are persuasive. They are meant to try to convict you or to persuade you. Sometimes the older preachers call them, uh, move them down the aisle kind of sermons. Those are beneficial. We need those to uh, cause us to look inside and to be uh, introspective, to see where we stand in our relationship with God. There are some that by their nature are informational. That is, they teach us and they show us. We had a series back in the fall in which we looked at church leadership. It was informational in its nature. But hopefully in all of these, there is a persuasive element. That is our concern and our hope today as we speak about the subject, placing membership. This sermon is not being preached because there has not been anybody to place membership in a long time. In fact, I would say that we are seeing more and more people who are formally identifying with the Lehman Avenue Church of Christ than I have seen happen in my ministry life. It is a commendation of so many different good things. And I want to commend you if you have made that decision. But it could be that this is a subject that for one reason or another is not as familiar to us. Or perhaps 
we fail to see the importance of a lesson like this. When I think about this idea of placing membership, life is about memberships. People join and become members of certain organizations. Ever since Kathy and I have been married pretty much, we have had a membership at one of those warehouse clubs. In Virginia, it was BJ's. In Colorado, it was Costco. And since we moved here, it's Sam's. And all of these kind of work the same way. When you think about these memberships at these warehouses, there are certain requirements that you've got to meet. They certainly want you to pay your annual dues to keep that membership. And they'll sometimes ask of you to to show your card when you're going in the door. Or maybe you have to show it or use it at the checkout stand or at the gas pumps. And there are certain contractual obligations that are a part of the requirements of those memberships. But of course, the people do it so much because there are benefits. I think about it especially in terms of financial benefits. There's lower prices at the gas pumps or or the groceries or the tires or other services are cheaper or there's some kind of bulk rate that's given and many of them operate on a cash back perspective. I wonder sometimes if some look at this idea of placing membership in that way that I will opt in and do that if I'd like but otherwise I'll just go to Kroger or Walmart or IGA and be about my business. When they think about church membership, perhaps some would believe that it is not preferable or even biblical to do so. I also recognize that someone who is contemplating this idea of placing membership may have been burned in a situation in the past. Or they may be gun shy about making such a commitment or an obligation. It could be that one has the mentality or the idea that they believe that someone would emphasize that only because perhaps they're concerned about contributions or maybe they are concerned or are obsessed with their own image or their ego. Or some would like to say that I just like to maintain that freedom, that freedom to be kind of a free agent and do what it is that I want to do. Now, I want to suggest to you up front that there is not a book, chapter, or verse that says something like, Thou must place membership with the congregation. Or it is required of thee that thou must be identified formally with the church. But I wonder if there is some, are some biblical answers. Does the Bible have something to say about placing membership? When we consider the circumstances may change in time, that the church began on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and those circumstances would have been different. Perhaps these were not issues that would have arisen. And we don't know what county Jerusalem was in, but they probably did not have 20 congregations at the beginning for folks who lived in that area to have to make a decision with regard to But from the very beginning of the church's existence, as we read the history book of the church, Or as we read through the epistles, we see that there are individual Christians that are associated very definitely with specific congregations. For example, in the book of Romans, Paul's largest epistle, he writes to a church that he does not know personally. And perhaps as a part of that, he is trying to make as personal an appeal as he can to all those in that congregation. And so he lists what seems very clearly to be the names of the individuals and the households that make up the church at Rome. 
Incidentally, at the very beginning of that chapter, in Romans 16 and verse 1, he mentions a woman, a servant by the name of Phoebe, and he identifies her as one who is a servant in the church at Sincrea. And then he follows that up with 28 individual names and households of those who make up the church at Rome. Now, there are a great many of these, but just notice a couple of more. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul mentions for a second time a man by the name of Epaphras, and he says, he is one of your number in reference to the church at Colossae in Colossians 4 and verse 12. But even if we are to look at the very first congregation, the church at Jerusalem, we begin to see that there are those who are very definitely associated with one another and that they are uh, within the confines of that one specific congregation. In Acts chapter 2 verse 44, the Bible tells us, Luke does, that they were together. And this is important because not long after the establishment of the church, there's a crisis or a problem within the number of those making up the Jerusalem congregation. There were some Hellenist widows. And these widows, they were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And so they have to resolve this issue. And so the apostles appoint seven men from among the congregation. And we will notice that the seven men and uh, these widows are a part of the same congregation. And so when we begin to study, we see that there is a definite practice that individual Christians align themselves with specific congregations, but the question may be, why is it so important? Are there clues in Scripture that can help us to see why it would be important for me as an individual member of the church to sort this and to align myself, to identify myself formally in a way recognizable to all that I am a member of that congregation? I want to very briefly mention five Five reasons why I believe it's important for us to place membership. And the first reason has to do with organization. We need to place membership because the church has works. And I've heard it explained various ways, but I think it's a good, concise summary that the Lord has given the church various works. And we sometimes very broadly place them into three categories. There is the category of evangelism. These are our efforts to seek and save the lost. It's a work God's given the church to do in every location. Then there's the matter of edification. And through edification, what we mean are all those efforts that we make to try to to keep the saved saved. What can we do to strengthen and build up one another? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11, for example. And then there are benevolent needs. There are physical needs that need to be met in the body of Christ, and it will always be that way. Jesus says, you'll always have the poor with you. James says in James 1 and verse 27 that this is a part of pure religion and that which is undefiled. There's an individual responsibility, and there's a church-wide responsibility. And God has organized these works to be conducted through the oversight of elders and be carried out through the work of deacons. And so as God has the church organized in a certain way, he is and they are dependent on individual members to step forward and say, I will be a part of that work. I'll do what I can in the local church to evangelize and to edify and to meet the needs or to be a part of that through my membership at that particular congregation. 
The way the Apostle Paul says it is, is that we are to grow up into him, into all aspects who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and joined together by that which every joint supplies, causes the growth of the body into the edifying of that body in love. Ephesians 4 and verse 16. You know, if we believe that it is right to worship at a church, we certainly will believe that it's right to work with a church. When we see the totality of work that makes up a congregation, there are needs that, that must be fulfilled. Every congregation needs to be engaged in studying the word publicly. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13. And so we need teachers. Every work has those who need visited, and so we need those to go and visit. In every work, there are those that need to work with our youth, who need to be worship leaders, who need to be leaders, who need to be servants in tangible ways. And so it's important that the church knows who it is that they can count on. It makes practical sense. Over a long period of time, while we also need to be helping the church universal, the body of Christ as a whole, where can we be most effective? Where we can be most effective is the place where we find ourselves most consistently on a regular basis throughout time. And that being the case, it makes practical sense for us to be where it is that we can be of the most help and the most influence, to leverage our relationships on a day-by-day basis. But it also helps the local to know that we can be counted on to be here next month and next year. It makes practical sense from a shepherding standpoint, which we'll mention more in just a moment. You know, the Bible depicts the church in a variety of ways. There's a lot of different pictures that the Bible paints of the church. Not exhaustively, but the church is an army. The church is a body. The church is a vineyard. The church is a temple. And there are so many similar pictures. And so we might ask the question this way. How do the officers know which soldiers are in their unit? How do the managers of the vineyard know which workers it is that they can count on? And with regard to this idea, it is important for us to know that the workers are there and in place regularly. Placing membership is important for organization. The church has a work, and it relies on individual Christians to make that work as productive as possible. Let me mention a second reason. Placing membership is important because of administration. When we look at how the church is organized, it is organized, as we mentioned a moment ago, with those who serve as overseers or as elders. There are those who are to facilitate to oversee those works. When we begin to investigate what the New Testament has to say, there are a great many passages that point to the importance of individual Christians placing themselves under the oversight of the shepherds that make up the local church. For example, Peter, who himself was an elder, says in 1 Peter 5, verse 1 and 2, that they were to shepherd the flock of God among them. Do you recognize that there were specific men and there were specific members that formed this relationship of sheep and shepherd? Or in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul was speaking very concretely when he says that I'm going to greet the deacons and the elders that make up the church at Ephesus. Or when you look at Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, the Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit unto them, 
For they keep watch for your souls, that they may do this with joy and not with grief, for that would not be profitable unto you. So you have all of these passages that speak of a group of men that have their own qualifications in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7 and Titus 1, 5 through 11. We call them elders. We call them bishops, overseers, shepherds, pastors. These terms refer to the work of those who serve as elders. And they are a specific group of men. But they have a charge over specific individuals. How do elders know which sheep are theirs, their responsibility, and those who are not their responsibility? If a member is struggling and is uh, failing or is falling away or, or, or leaves the Lord, how do these shepherds know which sheep to leave? And how do they know which sheep to go after? Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. You know, even in one of the most unpleasant tasks that elders are faced with, the idea of church discipline in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Matthew 18, and in Romans 16 and verse 17. These men are given this extreme measure in exceptional cases to reach out and to correct those who have fallen astray. How do they know who is in subjection to that? In 2 Corinthians 2, verse 6 and 7, the Bible talks about a man from whom fellowship was withdrawn. And Paul writes a, a follow-up letter after this man has repented and he says that uh, he speaks to the majority and he says, I want you to receive him back. How do we know who make up the majority? You see, when you look at all of the passages that speak to the work of elders in the local church, they really make very, a lot less sense and they're harder to obey if there is not a specific group over whom they have charge and the oversight. And so as we look at this from a very practical standpoint, the idea of the church being organized with elders to oversee demonstrates the importance of me following God's plan for my safety and well-being spiritually. But then third, I would suggest to you that placing membership is important because of association. When we look at this idea of association, we're talking about all that the Bible has to say about fellowship. And you know, it was important in the first century. But don't you think it's equally important today, even in the information age? It's a lot harder for us to know one another, and this brings on isolation and so when we begin to study the passages that are found in the New Testament, when you see all of those one another passages that exist, they all suggest proximity and relationship. That we exist together in the body and the strength that we get from one another, that God wants us to relate to one another. And not just anyone, but all of those who are bound together by the blood of Christ. It's a special relationship that's to be had by those who are working together in the body of Christ. And when you begin to see what the writers of the New Testament say about that, it's an encouragement to me to realize that I need that association. I need those relationships to help me to stay faithful to my God. And when I am uh, placing my membership, I'm formally identifying myself. I'm saying to you, as you say to me, Let's work together alongside one another for the common cause of good. You know, there is so much that the Bible says about this, like uh, the idea of us to let love be without hypocrisy, to abhor what is evil, to cling to what is good, to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. 
in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging behind in diligent, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, being patient in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality, to bless those that persecute you, to bless and not curse, to rejoice with those who rejoice, and to weep with those who weep, and to be of one mind toward one another, of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in spirit, but associate with the lowly, and do not be wise in your own estimation." That's just seven verses in Romans chapter 12 that's representative of a lot that the New Testament has to say. And that is that I need other folks to check me. I need them to admonish me. How do I find out, how do I know if I'm fulfilling all of this series of commands that Paul mentions in Romans chapter 12? How do I know? I can tell myself I'm not lagging behind in diligence. But when I have you to come alongside of me and to help me, Am I contributing to the needs of the saints? Am I practicing hospitality as I ought to? Am I rejoicing with those who rejoice? Am I weeping with those who weep? Am I devoted to you? Am I haughty or am I humble? You see, when we look at passages like these, they're not in a vacuum. They're relational texts. I need somebody to help me, and I need a body of folks that the Lord wants me to help. You know, we think about a passage that you almost always hear quoted to talk about attendance. Let us know how to stimulate one another unto love and good deeds, not abandoning the assembling of ourselves together as as the custom of some, but encouraging one another. And so much the more as you see the day drawing near. Yes, it talks about not forsaking the assemblies or falling away. But do you see the together, the one another aspect of this? God has designed us to come together regularly so that we can be a source of encouragement to one another. God in his wisdom sets up an association. You see, along with this association that I get, there's an obligation that I have. I need to serve you. I need to help you. And formally identifying with a congregation helps that to be achieved. But then, as you may have seen a moment ago, placing membership is also important because of the element of protection. When I look at what Scripture says, I realize that he has set up the church and for me to be an identifiable member of it for my good. We talked about the role that the shepherds play in protecting souls, but it's also on a more practical level. And it may not be that you find yourself in this kind of a place where you're in need, but God has the church set up in that way. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 3 through 16, I find it very interesting that in Ephesus there were widows. And there was a question of Timothy, I suppose, as to which ones needed to be supported by the church and which ones did not. There were qualifications and there were disqualifications as you read through 1 Timothy chapter 5. But apparently there was a role of those who were subject to and who were had available to them the help of the church, an identifiable group of the members at Ephesus who were eligible for that need. And with regard to financial help, we see this from the very beginning. In Acts 2 verse 45, none of them among their number had need at all, but they met those needs. Acts chapter 4 verse 34, if any of them were in need, then there was existed a plan in which those who had houses and who had land sold them and they brought the proceeds of the sales. You see, we see again this identifiable group 
a specific congregation whose members were recognized by others and who were helped on that basis. But far greater than even that is the spiritual protection that God has designed, set up for a congregation that works together. In Acts chapter 20, verse 29 and 30, Paul speaks to the elders of the church at Ephesus and he says, there are wolves and shepherds, you are to protect them from the wolves that would come within them. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Whether or not I feel like I need the protection, it's God's plan. It's his idea. And so he has the church set up to help to protect me from spiritual harm and even spiritual death. And so it does me personal good. But then fifth, I would suggest to you that placing membership is important because of glorification. If you'll notice all that we've said to this point, we've talked about the horizontal benefits and responsibilities the rewards that we have by placing membership. But even more important than that is what happens to the cause of Christ when we kind of roll up our sleeves and get involved in a specific congregation and say, how do you need me to help? When we understand how the church is composed, we see that underneath it all, or really above it all, Is what Paul says in Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that's at work within us, to him be glory by the church and in Jesus Christ. Generations without end. Amen. As you look at what Paul says at the end of the first part of that letter, he says the church glorifies God. When I come to understand that my talents are needed, that my energy, my emotion should be plugged into the local church is because whatever good that's done, that's his cause and it's his name that matters most to me. Yes, I'm serving to receive a reward eternally, but I'm also serving to uphold his name. When I come to understand that the church belongs to Christ, I'm part of his body, he's the head, Uh, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 says that God gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Colossians 1 and verse 18, he is the head of the body. I function as a member, an individual part in that body. And so every soul that's one to Christ, every act of service that's done, every heart that's touched through Bible class and through worship, every benevolent deed that's done causes his name to be glorified. And I want to do all that I can to be a part of that. And so when we become floaters, kind of moving from place to place, it makes it harder for us to settle in and to do that. Now, when you think about an unusual sermon like this has been, begin to ask the question again, well, well, why was a sermon like this needed at all? Well, I think there are some possible answers to that. That number one, I think it's not something that we talk about very much. Maybe it's an assumption that's made. Maybe you place membership with the Lehman Avenue congregation or if you're a member somewhere else without ever giving it any thought. It's just something that's always been done. May I suggest that it should be something deeper than that. It should have, and we should understand its biblical meaning. But maybe we just hadn't thought about it. Or it could be that there might be a case where somebody doesn't like the inflexibility and the dependence of settling with one congregation. 
And surely in rare, rare, rare exceptions, somebody might not want their deeds to be held accountable, their conduct to be seen. It might feel more comfortable in the shadows. There's kind of an anonymity. I can just kind of float in and I can float out. And and really it doesn't make anyone responsible for me or me responsible to anyone. When we think about all that God has given us to do in the short period of time in which to do it, we should want the Lord's church and His cause to flourish as much as possible. And so that begins on the individual level. No, God is not expecting any one person to do everything. He knows that's impossible. That's why he would say, you know, those ears and those eyes and those hands and those feet, they all made up the same body, the body at Corinth. And so he says, and if one suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one is honored, all the members rejoice with it. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 26. But he says, you take what you can do. And you use those energies and you use that time and you use that life to help the church to grow where you can be of the greatest influence. And so that begins with the individual member. But I understand it might be even more fundamental than that. There may be those here today who say, okay, well, I want to know more about this placing membership or identifying. Can I find out more about that? Let me say this. If you'd like to know more about how to become a member of the Lehman Avenue Church of Christ... I would encourage you to see me or Hiram or one of the elders and to find out more about that. Chances are that one of them or one of us might come and see you. We want you shoulder to shoulder working with us in the great work that God has given us. Maybe you want to know something even more fundamental. How do I become a member of the church I read about in the New Testament, the New Testament church? I think that's the right question. Maybe we can sit down and study that together. Look at it more deeply. We would love nothing more than to help you do that. It may be that there's someone here today who's already thought all the way through that. Maybe you've been studying that and you realize that you're ready to act on your faith in Jesus Christ, to repent of sins and to be baptized. We have water waiting and ready. If you're ready to make that decision, either publicly or maybe you want to do it after the services, we stand ready at any time to help you. Maybe as a child of God, you need to come back to our Lord Maybe there's a need for you to repent of sin in your life. Maybe you've wandered far from home and now you want to come home. If that's your need, we want to help you. We're going to sing a song to encourage you. And as Nick sings that, if you want to make that known publicly, please do so. We're here to help one another go to heaven. That's how God has designed the church. And we'd love to help you to do that the very best way possible. If this is your invitation song, we would urge you to come right now as we stand and sing.